We're not perfect. Some of us are not even close, like me. But if I can learn to accept myself, errors, faults, and all for who I am, I'm betting you can too. Even if you've done some really embarrassing stuff, like the time I sprang an emergency room boner. My stomach was growling. This was not unusual. As a healthy 12-year-old boy, I had a non-stop appetite, mostly for any sort of junk food or sweets. McDonald's, I'll take two Big Macs, large fries, apple pie, and a chocolate shake. My main drug was chocolate chip cookies, and my buddy Roger Olson shared the same addiction. It was nothing for the two of us to scarf a large bag of Chips Ahoy during our Saturday morning Tom and Jerry binge session. That routine lasted about one month before his mom cut off the pipeline. Lucky for us, though, she had no problem with us making our own. So we turned the Olsen kitchen into a cookie and brownie factory once a week, paying for everything out of our lawn mowing job earnings. That particular Saturday, I had an off-the-charts craving. I bolted out of my house making a beeline for Roger's house. I made it two steps inside his door before blurting out my desperate plea. I'm gonna die if we don't make a giant batch of Nestle's Toll House chocolate chip cookies now. Roger's face went pale. Ugh, sorry, Mikey, he said. Used all the chips yesterday. Seems we cleaned out his mother's toll house stash the day before. No surprise, really, since we routinely filled two cookie sheets wall-to-wall -wall with dough and chips. Yeah, that's right, one pan each. Shit, how the hell are we gonna get through this day? We scrounged around for anything his mother had and wouldn't notice if it was gone. Aha, they're on the bottom shelf graham cracker pie crust, waiting to satisfy our cravings. Our first pie was pumpkin. It was a decent effort. Crust was dry, nothing a tall glass of milk couldn't fix. Next, we attempted an apple pie. It sucked something fierce. We overstuffed it with old man veneer's wormy, bitter apples. Looked like a tumor-ridden football covered in mummy skin tasted like a tumor-ridden football-covered mummy skin. What about O'Brien's cherry tree? They're on vacation, I asked excitedly. Yes, Roger shot back. We were out the door in seconds. It was raining hard, but that would not deter us. We ran down the street with plastic bags in our back pockets. The tree was loaded with fat black cherries. Roger was a star athlete. Damn near ran out the side of the tree. He was already harvesting cherries while I was trying to figure out how I was going to climb up. I shimmied myself up over the wet bark with every intention of filling my bag before he did. I climbed about eight feet to a large limb that had been sawed off. I sat on the stub and picked everything in sight. Roger was swearing at the squirrels up near the top. Looking back, it was the competitor in me that made me overlook the klutz in me because I had no business climbing. Before I could get to the mother load, I had to inch my way up a diagonal limb that made me look like I had the world's largest erection. As I scooted up, I could feel my underwear giving me a wedgie. Oh. 
I lifted my ass up to try and adjust the nut squisher when I lost my grip and slipped. I caught myself. Then I shimmied some more, making it to the second V and was finally able to stand. This was as high as I was going. I braced my trusty red ball jets against the main tree trunk. In no time, I was picking like a pro. I cleared out the area around me, so I had to lean out to reach some super fat cherries at the end of the branches. That's when I lost my footing and fell sideways. It felt like I was falling in slow motion, but actually it happened so fast I couldn't even yell shit. My back smashed flat into the sawed-off limb, cartwheeling my unconscious carcass another 10 feet to the ground. I woke up surrounded by firemen and paramedics. Neighbors lined up across the street. I was in and out of consciousness. His back may be broken falling from that height, a fireman said to a paramedic. Get the board. They strapped my body to a board along with my ankles, knees, and waist. The EMT said, Michael, we're securing your head to the board. Try not to move. Four firefighters lifted the board and carried me to the ambulance. I heard a blur of voices whisper stuff, but I was too groggy to decipher what they were saying. The ambulance seemed to crawl up Pacific Street, the one block to my house. The driver knocked on my front door to notify my parents. My mother battled depression. I was bummed that I had pulled another stunt she had to deal with. The driver rushed back, telling the dispatcher to contact my dad at Norfolk Downs, a nearby horse racing track where he worked a second job. The dispatcher hollered, she's not coming. His dad will meet us at St. Mary's. The EMT guy sitting next to me put his hand on my shoulder and tried to comfort me. A team of doctors met us at the emergency room entrance. Don't know why, but in the blur of bodies, I focused on the nurse sporting a mustache as she rushed alongside the gurney. Since my Aunt Katie had a stash and our Detroit Free Press newspaper manager, Ann Donnelly, had an Amish beard featuring Easy Rider sideburns, I noticed women's facial hair. Did not find it attractive, but I was drawn to it the way others are to a car wreck. I couldn't bear to look, but I didn't want to look away. But back to the emergency. Well, the call came in about half past nine. Slumped down in my truck and no vital signs. A blur of ceiling tiles went flying by, changing direction twice before they backed me into my emergency room parking spot. A curtain was pulled around me. I just laid there, my heart pounding. I could hear a team of doctors mumbling stuff about me. Maybe I closed my eyes for less than a minute before the curtain was yanked open and a woman that could have tried out for the Detroit Lions said she was dragging me to be x-rayed. I was fully alert as the technicians carefully snapped a bunch of x-rays of my neck and back. Then just like that, Nurse Brutus wheeled me back to the emergency room to wait for the results. I lay motionless, staring at a fly crawling upside down on a ceiling tile above me. Maybe I was in shock, but I could not move my fingers or toes in the ambulance. That changed after the x-rays. 
I can wiggle my toes and fingers, I said to yet another nurse, scribbling something on a chart. The doctors entered my curtained-off cave and ran me through a number of tests. They mumbled some more hushed stuff and left, leaving my curtain parted behind them. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw the lead physician speaking to a cute nurse that nod my direction. I tried eavesdropping but couldn't hear a thing, so I lay there and basically just waited. Little did I know, my life was about to change. In walks the hottest nurse I have ever seen, quickly closing the curtain behind her. Michael, we need to see if there is blood in your urine, so we need to do a urine test, she said. I will put a sheet over you, then I need to pull your pants off. She looked like Roger's August issue of Penthouse, minus the chocolate chip cookie crumbs. She leaned over me to adjust my pillow, damn near dragging her knockers across my face. For the first time, I became the willing pupil hanging on her every word. I need to unbuckle your belt, she said, working blindly with her hands under the sheet. My heart was pounding. Stop, I can do this, I half-heartedly offered. No, Michael, we don't want you to move. She draped a sheet over me and smiled. Nurse Miss August traced her fingertips down my chest and stomach before finding her willing subject's belt. She began unbuckling it, unzipping my fly, and began slowly and carefully lowering my pants, inch by delicious inch. I was able to fend off, springing a boner, but not for long. Let me slide your underwear off, she murmured. As she tugged my underwear, the sheet elevated above my body, magician-like. My flush red face went away instantly in my body's natural effort to feed my sprouting Johnson. I detected a faint giggle before she slapped my upper thigh hard enough to make the boner disappear. It happens, she said to reassure me. She turned and left me alone for a few minutes before returning with a Dixie cup. I need you to pee in this cup, Michael, she said. That's impossible. My head's strapped to this bed. I can't see the cup. In retrospect, that was probably the first pickup line I ever delivered, and it worked. Because she responded with, here, let me help. And then she peeled back the sheet to reveal me fully naked for the first time in front of a girl. And before I could think about it or hope for it, she carefully started hoisting my manhood, then pointed it at the Dixie cup she held in her other hand. The rod I popped knocked the cup to the floor, making her laugh. Now she was flustered and a little embarrassed. You're gonna have to do this yourself, Michael. Problem was, she was standing no more than two feet away, next to the sheer divider in full boobs profile. Minutes passed and my Woodrow refused to back off. It stayed at attention as if it were on guard duty. Just impossible to piss sport in a boner. Here, drink this water for me, Michael. She put a straw to my mouth and held it until I drained the water, then left again. A few minutes later, I called for her to return. I think I might have to go. Where's the Dixie cup? Great, she said. Let me hold the cup for you. She peeled back the sheets. Instant wood. 
bigger than the last go-around. I could have swatted a baseball with it. This was getting ridiculous, not to mention awkward. Look, let me try by myself. I kicked her out. I held the Dixie cup sideways and twisted my penis sideways to fit it in the cup. I tried to relax. It took five minutes before the first drop came out. Will a few drops work? I asked over the curtain. No, we need you to try to fill the cup. <sighs> Ten minutes passed before I made another attempt. I waited and waited, and then finally I had to go. The force was too much. The piss knocked the cup out of my hand onto the floor. My Johnson twisted in the air like a wild garden hose squirting every which direction. Help, I yelled. Nurse Fox yanked the curtain sideways and saw the mess. She smiled. This stuff happens. Let's try again. Hey, can they take the sample off the floor, I asked. I generally thought that might work. But she shook her head no, handed me another cup and pulled the curtain closed. I'm right here if you need me, she said, triggering a lewd thought which forced yet another boner timeout. Finally, I put the Dixie cup in position over my kneecap. I hit the internal go button. Boys in the oil fields call this a gusher. The initial blast went maybe as high as the curtain rail, then back down to hit a perfect bullseye smack dab in the middle of the awaiting cup. Beginner's luck. The cup filled in one second. Oh, nurse, I need you, quick, I shouted as I tossed the first cup to the floor. Steady with my aim, a second cup overflowed, and now I got myself a mess. There is no shutoff valve and no end in sight. Urine is spraying everywhere and showering me as I'm strapped to this bed, tossing cups of urine on the floor faster than a guy trying to save his rowboat from sinking. Nurse Stone Fox came racing in to help. She hit the urine slip and slide, crashing into my bed. Thankfully, my need to pee went out over arousal. She stood silently in respectful awe, holding out a bedpan, which I grabbed in time to catch the last few drops. The results from the x-rays came back negative. No broken back. Two nurses removed the straps that held me pinned to the bed. It felt great to move again. Out in the hallway, I saw my father speaking to the doctors. He gave me a great big old hug. He told me the doctor said I had no internal bleeding and no serious injuries. I could go home. On the way home, Dad said we had to make a pit stop. He pulled into a parking spot in front of Cloverdale's Dairy. It was time for a double-thick chocolate banana malt. Funny what I had to go through just to scratch that sugar itch. Looking back, I'm not sure I could have done anything differently. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have climbed a tree when it's pouring rain, especially when you're pretty far from being Tarzan. But I did learn to be more cautious and respectful of heights. And I got to experience, for the first time, the mesmerizing power a female could have over me. And I developed an instant distaste for cherry pie. Haven't had a slice since.